everyone, you're listening to Free Kick, the AFLW fantasy podcast. I'm Mel and I'm joined today by Liam. How's it going? I am very good, Mel. Thank you for asking. And I know it might be slightly out of order for everyone, but this is our first time back on an episode, just the pair of us, since you've got back from holiday. Welcome yes. back. Thank well, you. welcome back to my, my pods, at least. <laughs> welcome back to me. <laughs> nice to be welcome back, Liam. Thank you. Yeah, so first one back in a little while, a bit rusty. Also my first... Clubs and days analysis, uh, which is exciting. Okay. You, First you, team. You're, you're in for a, a, an interesting ride. Will and I have gotten very good at doing these and bouncing off each other. You're in, uh, you're in for a treat. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a bit of pressure there. Um, <laughs> but, oh, what a team to come back to. I reckon out of all of the games I went to last season, I went to more North games than any other for whatever reason. So definitely got a soft spot in my heart here. So North Melbourne, Tasmanian Kangaroos. Liam, why don't you give us a little bit of a team history? Team history, North has always been the fifth wheel of the, oh. the Melbourne sides. <laughs> and, I, and it's really unfortunate because they, they're a very good football side and they kind of came in really hot in their first season. They stole half of Collingwood's side. But they've never managed to be a particularly big finals winner. And then last season, even though they finished eighth, I think it was pretty clear that there was a, a four or five team grouping around you know, third, fourth to eighth mm. that could all contend. And, and it ended up being North Melbourne who went from eighth all the way to making a prelim and having a pretty competitive game for the most of it against Melbourne. Unfortunately, they they did end up losing, but you're going to hear in our interview today, there was a pretty horrific win there. And I think from that perspective, they were a really big improver last year. They mm. really did see a lot last season. They really did see a lot of players take a step up. In terms of their major ins, I think the biggest one to talk about is Kate Shearlaw, who came across from St Kilda, moving across and, uh, and joining her long-term partner, Emma Carney, uh, on the team. And then they've also added just a couple of defenders uh, to bolster a backline to replace Brooke Brown. So they've added in Lulu Puller and Alice Burke, amongst a couple of others, um, and some additional draftees. You heard us talk to, um, why is it, that? Ruby Tripodi, mm. that's the name, Amongst, they also had a pretty decent sized draft group. Obviously, the big out I just mentioned is Brooke Brown moving across to Essendon, who took a huge leap forward in season six after playing as a ruck. She transitioned down to defense and was their best intercept defender for two years in a row and really did make up for the loss of Jess Duffin. I think that was a really big loss for them this year and, and a, a hole they're definitely going to need to fill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you kind of mentioned there, alluded to our interview before yes. we go, before we start talking through the five most fantasy relevant players, I mean, number one is our interviewee, Ash Riddell. So let's just throw you straight over to that. Yeah, for sure. Will and I had a great chat a few, about a month ago and uh, I'm really keen for everyone else to hear it. Hey everyone. And today we have very special guests, an absolute ball magnet from the kangaroos. We have Ash Riddell with us. Ash, how are you going? I'm good, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on board. Absolute pleasure to have you here. You're a fantasy superstar and, and a gun midfielder to boot, so we're always excited to have players on. No, it's good. Hopefully I can, um, yeah, boost some some team scores in the fantasy <laughs> and um, hopefully I don't have too many poor games that people are angry at me. 
Uh, well, we were having a bit of a chat before about uh, some of your statistics, and we found out that of your 43 games, you've had 15 or more touches in 41 of them, which is pretty rare form, I think. So I don't think there's going to be too many disappointed with you. <laughs> I'm glad. I try to keep somewhat um, consistent, so I'll take that. Uh, well, speaking of consistent, uh, pre-season started, and you've once again taken out the 1.5K time trial, as apparently you do every season. Um, how are you personally feeling heading into the new season and what are you looking to improve on in your own game? Now, I'm feeling really good. I'm pretty lucky that um, normally Erica O'Shea normally gets me. Um, she's one of our Irish players and luckily she's not back from Ireland just yet to beat me in the 1.5K, so I'll take it. But, um, no, nah, the body's feeling really, really good. It's um, a little bit strange that we had obviously such a long off-season comparatively to last season where it was sort of one season after the other, so sort of gave me a fair bit of time to not only sort of relax but also really, really focus and hone in on um, my fitness and get, yeah, get that little bit fitter and um, quicker hopefully. Um, so, yeah, it's been an exciting off-season. So I'm feeling pretty pretty fit and strong and no niggles thus far, um, touch wood. So hopefully rearings go come round one. I can imagine as well it's, it's made a lot easier by having a full off-season this time and a season start date at the very least compared to... <laughs> The last couple of seasons where it's been, oh, by the way, you're going to play in the middle of summer, in the middle of COVID. Oh, and you've got a two-month break and you've got to organise the CBA in the interim. Oh, absolutely. I think it's um, it's nice, at least, we, yeah, know the weekend of round one and sort of knew our pre-season rough times um, pretty early on. It just makes it a little bit easier with, I guess, more more um, so organising your own life and work externally um, more than anything. So, at least we've had a goal inside and, yeah, we're set to go. You're in a position here where I would say, at least on the outside, North will be frustrated with the end of last year and that and that game against North Melbourne. What was the kind of message coming from the club out of that game and about last year? Yeah, I think we, um, comparatively to the seasons before, we hadn't actually won a lot of finals and last season to win a couple of finals was definitely set forward, but it's still sort of that hollow feeling at the end of the season that we're so close and always we um, have really good contests against Melbourne, but um, can never sort of manage to get over the line. So I guess the focus for us this year, we brought in some um, new talent and some obviously got some trades across the line from other clubs as well, but we're really excited and I think um, it's more of a motivating thing that loss against Melbourne and obviously a little bit of jealousy sets in when you go on and um, watch them uh, win the flag which they were the mm-hmm. better side of the day and credit to them but um, we know we're pretty close and we but we also know that we can't get complacent it's not just going to be sort of um, we make a prelim one year then a grand final the year after we've got to actually work hard and um, mm-hmm. make sure that we're constantly getting better. Um, I think one of the interesting things about North season last season was that compared to a few other seasons, you actually finished a bit lower on the ladder. You sort of almost scraped into finals finishing eighth and then did have that magnificent run in the finals. So I guess the competition is becoming a bit more even, a bit more competitive. Has there been any sort of talk about any major tweaks that you'll need to to go through this season to stay competitive, not just push forward? Yeah, I think it was interesting. Like, although we sort of finished eight last year, we never felt like we were an eighth place mm. side. We always thought that we were a top four side and, we had a really tough run with um, our fixture. Um, I think we yeah. played every single team in the top nine, obviously, aside from ourselves. So we knew um, that would actually put us in pretty good stead going into finals. So we weren't so, I guess, concerned about finishing eighth. We knew that we could sort of compete with the top teams, but obviously we didn't get it done when it sort of mattered towards the pointy end of the season. But 
I think coming out of that Melbourne game, the biggest learning curve was for us. Obviously, it was such a massive wind that day and we probably didn't change enough sort of mid-quarter. Mm. Um, we sort of probably waited a little bit for the coaches at quarter time to tell us sort of what to do. So I think our growth as a group is taking a little bit more ownership um, sort of mid-game, being able to change things, trust our lead- leaders um, that we know how to execute the game plan and we know the game plan very well. Um, so sort of not waiting around to, I guess, change things at quarter time, knowing that we yeah have a really strong understanding of where we need to go and the little um, changes that we can make on game day, mid-game, um, mm-hmm. will help us move forward a little bit more. Yeah, and obviously that's the, the pain of losing a final is you get all of the off-season to, to kind of think about the small things that you did and didn't do during the game. One point that you mentioned in that, which I really wanted to hit on, was the idea that, you know, there are obviously leaders who can, can make those calls. At least from an outside perspective, it felt like a leader at North kind of emerged above and beyond last year, and that was Jazz Garner. You obviously spend a lot of time next to her in the midfield. Did you notice much of a change in her game? It, at, at the very least, it looked like she just dominated consistently and she was a tag target every week. Yeah, she's um, a remarkable player. I love playing alongside her. She's one of my best mates, so um, it makes it a lot easier on the football field as well that we get to run around and sort of workshop things, what's going right, what's going wrong um, on the field together. But um, I think, to be honest, we've always known our talented she is, and I know she had, uh, I think she won the Coaches Association Award in 2020 when sort of COVID struck, and we've always known our talented, but probably... It's probably a little bit difficult playing sometimes for North Melbourne, a smaller club that um, she might not always get the recognition and accolades that um, when you do play for one of those big um, Melbourne clubs that you get. So I know internally we've always rated her so highly and I think probably the biggest difference for her game was getting another level of fitness to be able to sort of go through that midfield full time. And I know even um, we did our 1.5K, yeah, sort of three, four weeks ago, and she's already wiped off 10, 15 seconds off that time oh, again. Wow. So Amazing. She's going to be looking um, a lot lot fitter again. So we're really excited what she can bring. And she's obviously so, so diverse. She can, um, She's so strong airily, but also um, around the contest as well and clearance work is second to none. So... Uh, I'm excited to see how she goes again this year because she's yeah fitter and stronger again. That's a that's a dangerous prospect because as part of yeah. these interviews, uh, of obviously you know she comes up in conversation because she's an absolute gun and uh, and we were talking about Montana Ham who I think had to have the fun experience of tagging Jazz Garner in that game down at Punt Road and the word was that is the hardest job in football. So it's it's deadly to think that now she can run even a little bit harder and a little bit stronger and that will probably also add to the goals. Yeah, 100%. And I think um, it helps me out so much. Obviously, she's a little bit of a bigger body than me, but um, for my own game, learning off her um, of how to sort of navigate someone of that size at a stoppage, um, but also she's now that fit um, and added that to her game. So it's I think it's helping not only by her getting better, it's helping not only herself, but the rest of the team um, go to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. She's able to move into the midfield, yet she's still kicking a lot of goals. But speaking of goals, you've had a few personnel changes in the off-season, and one of those that has been brought in is Kate Shearlaw. And first up, I want to ask, how much of a role did Emma Carney play in making that move happen? Oh, well, it certainly helps. (laughs) I think we're all on board. Obviously, she had a remarkable year last year. Um, I think she was all Australian squad. Yes, um, she was. Did not get in 
by the end. But I think um, she she's another one that's for a tall girl. She's super fit. Like she challenges mm. us bits in her in her fitness with all her GPS data. So I think even just the standards that she brings at training. Um, obviously being a little bit older, um, the knowledge that she can impart on some of the younger players as well. But B, I think she'll be really that linking player for us. Um, obviously, playing as a sort of higher forward and mm. link, um, sort of that get out of jail kick for us mids can go long term, and she can crash the pack and bring it to ground. So we're excited to see what um, what she can bring this season. And and obviously, it's it's not as if North was in a position without having many great marking targets up for yeah. Talia Randall has really <laughs> come on leaps and bounds in the last eighteen months as a, as a permanent forward. Yeah, I think um, she's loving. She's always been wanting to play forward, and yes, yeah, <laughs> months had her opportunity, and um, she's she's so excited by the fact that she's playing forward too. And you can mm. see that in the game, the energy that she brings, um, the brutality she brings when she yeah. uh, she brings the ball to ground and then laser plays a remarkable tackle as well. So she's um, she's one to definitely watch this season. I think she's just growing and growing every single game that she plays as a forward. Um, she's getting better and better each week. So I think um, given her off-season as well, she's had a bit, little bit longer, got a little bit more fit and stronger. So um, And just understanding of the forward roles as well, um, she's still developing. So, yeah, I think she's um, certainly one to watch at North Melbourne, having all those tall targets down there. Um, it's probably something that we didn't have in recent years and now suddenly we've got abundance of them, so we can't complain at all. Yeah, throw Emma King in there, and that's a pretty tall, intimidating forward line for any defence. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We we love it, so that would be good. One of the things that I know Liam's very interested in from a fantasy side of things is the concept of points per minute, which yep. is basically players who score lots of points per minute are very, very valuable, and you have some of the best points per minute in the competition. And one of the things that is quite interesting is you actually spend a fair amount of time on the bench during games, and we are wondering if you could actually give us some insight into that and how that you know, helps or affects your game? Yeah, I think, to be honest, probably last season, just given the rotation that was sort of rolling through, we didn't probably expose too many girls through the midfield. So it was just sort of mm. how it worked. And there was a few games where it was a few of us were sort of stuck on the bench. And in AFLW, it's mm. really hard sometimes to actually get a rotation. I think nearly in the Melbourne game, I was off for nearly a whole quarter just just because it was the wind was going one way and it was really tricky to rotate. You didn't want to sort of compromise the defence to be able to get someone on. So um, it's not sometimes deliberate, but um, we try and, I guess, depending on sort of the player um, and their capabilities athletically, some might actually play better when they're um, not on as much because they sort of mm. more explosive and powerful. Um, yeah. I'm not overly explosive or powerful. <laughs> um, but I'd like to think that when I am on, I do have the physical, I guess, capabilities to sort of work from contest to contest um, a little bit better than others. So mm. if I can use my endurance to my strength, um, yeah, I guess that's probably where I um, is the strength in my game. So, yeah. Yeah, and I guess that, that sorry, that, I guess that was just one of the things that surprised us about it because we knew you were a real, you know, endurance athlete able to get from contest to contest. So we thought, get her back on. We need her to score more points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess sometimes I think, um, yeah, it's just the way some games work with depending on what side of the bench is, the balls get stuck. It's just, yeah, I, there was a few games where I was caught on the rough end of it, but that's all right. As long as this team's doing well, we can, we can cop that. 
And I love how understated you are there. Just, oh, I might rate my ability to get from contest to contest <laughs> as the person who holds the record for most possessions in a game. <laughs> I, I think that's, uh, I think that's uh, speaks to a, a pretty impressive uh, ability there. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. We don't, um, yeah. Hope, don't base my game on touches, but yeah, if I can sort of play my role and yeah, make sure I layer the contest, I'll take it. Definitely. Unfortunately, now we're going to have to discuss kind of one of the one of the players that North did lose last year, which was Brooke Brown, who had really come on leaps and bounds in the last three or two years, as or the last two seasons at least as an intercept defender. Who are you picking to be player or players to replace her as that taller intercepting defender this year? Yeah, obviously she was yeah probably one of our most improved players last year. So we are super, um, I guess, shattered to lose her. But we've actually brought in a fair few um, defenders. So we've got Eliza Shannon at training that's um, come from Hawthorne and she's sort of playing that role a little bit at the minute. But then we've also got Lulu Puller, who um, came from mm. Brisbane, yep. um, that can play that similar sort of role as well. So we're really lucky. We've actually got an abundance of defenders at the minute, um, whereas probably last year we wouldn't, we wouldn't have said that. Mm. Um, so we've got a few girls sort of up our sleeve that can sort of step in and play that role depending on what the coaches sort of see. They want the, um, I guess, the dynamics of our backline to be. Um, but then we've also got Lucy Burke that's come in as a replacement player that's probably mm. – so much the intercept defender, but more that lockdown key position defender, um, that, that that last line sort of player. So we've got a few defenders that will sort of roll through. I guess over the next few weeks when we start doing a bit more match sim and pracky matches, we'll find out a little bit more what the coaches are thinking with that role. But I guess they've got a fair few choices that they can make um, to choose to replace Brooke with. And you've obviously also got Jasmine Ferguson, who I think played every single game in the last two years up coming on as a as a rookie. She, at least to my eye, looked like she really improved in the back end of last year. Um, and it was also, it was almost like I we would barely notice that she'd played just because she'd completely shut it down. So it does sound that definitely like there's a whole bunch of options for you guys to go to. Yeah, and I think with Ferg, like she's one of the most underrated players, I guess, externally, but internally, like the amount of goals that she saves. And I think there was a period of the first half of last season where she hadn't lost a one-on-one for a bit, but um, no one was talking about her. And we, we, we love how she goes about it internally and um, her growth to sort of, as you say, be that rookie that sort of come out of nowhere, come from VFL program. Um, I think she was at Collingwood. Um, yeah. She, her growth has been remarkable and she'll yeah take another step this year. Very, yeah, very nice. Yeah. And moving a bit further up the field, two of the players that, Liam and I have been particularly interested in hearing a bit about have been the two wingers in uh, Tess Craven and Amy Smith, who both also had uh, big years last year coming on really well. Can you give us a bit of insight into how they're developing and what they will offer the team next season? Yeah, particularly Tess. She's had a big um, off-season. She's been – this is probably her first proper real off-season, given she sort of started last year that it was a quick turnaround. So – She's been able to build a really, really strong fitness base um, and she's a lovely kick of the football. Like she's one of our best kicks in the team. So we're hoping to utilise that a little bit more this year and sort of get her out in space coming off the wing and maybe a little bit off the halfback flank as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Amy Smith, she's it was probably a breakout year last year um, where she was sort of consistently in the team and 
her tackling pressure and just her body to come occasionally inside in the midfield and play that tagging role when needed as well. Um, just her adaptability is something that we really value um, at North. So she's another one that um, I think her understanding of the game because she was a sort of the cross-coder, although her dad's played, uh, her dad did play, um, she's relatively still new to football. Um, and I think, yeah, her um, growth has been outstanding over the last few years. But I think, um, yeah, she's really valuable in sort of our midfield line group and um, she'll take another step this year. Yeah, and you talk about her tackling pressure. She had that, uh, you guys had that uh, slightly different scoreline in the North, in that uh, Geelong final. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw a, a stat going around that it might have been the most tackles ever in a game for a player named on the wing because she had 17. Uh, I think that speaks to a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent breakout. Yeah, for sure. Her and um, Jenna Bruton are always our sort of highest pressure players. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, particularly Amy, like always willing to just play her role. So she's not concerned. That wing role can often be, I guess, um, depending on which side you are, and you can sometimes not get rewarded a lot of the time. And she's just so happy to play a role, whether that means getting two touches, 20 touches a game. Um, we just always know what she's going to give each week, and she's so consistent because of that. Yeah, fantastic. So one of the questions we love asking, and this is going to probably be a nice way to wrap it up, is... And we've kind of touched on a few of the players who may be the answer to this question, but who are you most excited for coming into this new season and who do you reckon is really set for a big 2023 season eight? Oh, good question. I think um, perhaps Bella Eddy. She, um, we moved her to the forward line last year, sort of a um, couple rounds in, and she's one of the smartest players we've got in our team and she's also really good by foot. So... I think her understanding of that high forward role is improving and she's she's just a footy nuffy. Like, she absolutely loves <laughs> watching footy, going to footy. So she's really eager and she's always out doing extras and doing the um, little things. So I think she's one that now that she's sort of had a full pre-season in that forward role, um, she'll really relish that opportunity. And um, now she's sort of surrounded by some really good leaders down there and we've got Kate Sheila down there that will assist with that too. So I think she's one to certainly watch. Yeah, fantastic. And for the record, we had uh, Emma Carney on last season and she said Vicky Wall was her pick. So clearly the high half forwards are a really good uh, good spot to develop down at North. Yeah, definitely. I think um, that's been probably in recent times our um, forward line has improved dramatically. Mm. Uh, it's been exciting to watch them grow and sort of work together and, um, yeah, see what they can come up with. So... Yeah, I guess the forwards are doing their job, which is amazing. Helps us out. Beautiful. Well, we might wrap it up there. Ashradel, thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate your time. Not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. That was an awesome interview. I'm so sad I wasn't there for that, but you and Will sound like you had a great time chatting to Ashradel, one of like the most amazing midfielders and elite from North. Oh, how good. And a lovely person to chat to interesting to chat to had that fantasy lens she talked about in the pre-interview the fact she'd played super coach so had an awareness of the types of questions we were asking and was also just appreciative that you know the pod and people that are playing fantasy are helping to grow the game so lovely person and an elite fantasy scorer yeah it's always good to hear rex when they kind of know in the back of their mind what like because you're going to be an amazing footballer it doesn't quite convert to fantasy but when you've got that appreciation oh just makes for a great interview for our pod life is just so much easier 
So, given that we know she's your number one in the uh, one to fives, give us the reasons why. Number one reason, we've seen her do it before. She Mm. has been a 99 averaging midfielder and it was only in season six. In that season, she was the fourth highest averaging midfielder, very close to Anne Hatchard and Ebony Marinoff and also behind Turbo Bowers. Mm. I think she has the capacity to do it again. And when you play fantasy sports like this, you don't necessarily take too many stabs on players you've never seen score at the level that would make them value before, and Ashrell's done it before. She saw a 13-point drop last season from 99 back down to 86. I think she has the potential to go back up. So when you say that, why did she drop? And how, how do you have so much confidence she can do it again? I have confidence because, firstly, I think she is a key midfielder who can benefit from the longer quarters given her endurance base. Mm. Number one, she is clearly an elite runner. We talked about it in the interview. She wins the 1.5K time trial if Erica O'Shea is not there. And Erica O'Shea is a winger. She's everywhere. She is absolutely everywhere. She has always been a high points per minute player. She saw a little bit of a dip in Season 7 in her time on ground from 89 back down to the low 80%. I think it's possible she may have been carrying an injury. Irrespective, I think she's still someone who's in the prime of their career who has the elite endurance base to take her points per minute back up. She falls into this amazing bucket that we love to see, the underpriced primos. Uh, I mean, if she was she was literally top four, she was an elite midfielder in season six. If she can get back up there, not even necessarily to four, but just you know, top 10 midfielders after coming in at such a decently decently priced position, that would be, that's the opposite of what you, <laughs> what everyone suffered through, especially Will have, holding her all season in season seven where you lose that 13%, uh, 13. Uh, well, 13% basically. Yeah, 13%. <laughs> scored 99. Yeah. And I, I think the other reason why I'm interested is I see part of her scoring drop last year as well was the explosion of Jazz Garner, mm-hmm. who, let's be real, If you were going to ask me who I thought was going to be the player that was most likely to win the Most Valuable Player Award, it would have been Jazz Garner. She dominated the Coaches Association Awards, and I think that's reflective of what's going to happen this season. She is going to get tagged more. We saw Richmond do it in basically two consecutive games at the back end of last year with Molly McDonald. I see Jazz Garner as the number one tag target for any side, any side playing North. And as a result, the more Jazz Garner gets tagged, the more potential points are on offer for the Riddler. I think as a result, she's a massive potential option to select, particularly if you're playing with Turbo at one and then you've got a bit of a gap to the Collingwood midfielders and you need someone to slot, in, slot into that M2 position, I think Ash Riddell is the number one candidate. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it sounds like Garner's almost going to suffer from the Batesy issue of being elite and then getting all the tags. And I will note that I'm not seeing any Garner on the, the top five North players here. And that's yeah, that's, why, that's, right? Uh, like, I tried to fit her in at the end, but I do actually think that there's some rookie options we need to talk about before Jazz Garner. I don't mm. know if she's necessarily got another level. She was by far and away, in my mind, the best player last year, just in a footballing sense, in the same way that Batesy had the same thing in season six. Yep. I think she's going to suffer from it this year. Maybe she becomes an upgrade target if there's a run. 
but I ultimately just don't think she's a, a top candidate for our sides to start the year. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell me who else is? Who's your number two? Number two is the highest, basically highest averaging defender from last year. We've lost a lot of options in our defence, mm. number one being Chelsea Randall, who was just a gun last season after Will had gone speculative in round one, <laughs> episode one of our 18 Clubs in 18 Days series last year call. for those of us who listened last year. And it's Emma Carney. She's going to come in priced at 65, which is five points higher than any other defender. And I think we talked about it up the top, which is to say Brooke Brown is gone. They're going to need another marshal in defence, and she takes a majority of the kickouts as well. I think there's very much a world where you can say Emma Carney is going to be the most consistent defender throughout the year. Now, do I think I'm particularly high on her or am I necessarily going to start with her? I think there are reasons you could be sceptical that she'll be able to continue at that 65-point average, and I think part of it goes to the sheer number of options that Ash mentioned as coming through that defence. I think it could be particularly unsettled, and I also just think that She's one of the oldest players in the comp. She's yeah. dropped her fantasy average every year for the last two years. Basically, every last three seasons, her fantasy average has dropped. I think that makes her somewhat risky. Yeah, I've got to say, I, I had Carney last season, and as I mentioned, I went to a lot of North games, and you could really see her kind of hovering around a 50, taking that leadership position, kind of like giving some advice and whatnot, which was awesome for North but not so great for having someone in your fantasy side because um, she was around the ball but not really getting a lot of those points um, kind of opting out rather and like you say age whatnot might be coming into it. I do think it's interesting that she's your number two. I think that the main thing that she offers that other defenders will really struggle with is consistency. Mm, that's if true. she's having a quiet game she is the captain and she throws herself in the midfield. I'm looking specifically at the game against Sydney where she had nothing to do in defence. I reckon she was bored and she just went, yep, I'm going in for CBAs to start the fourth quarter. Yep. And I think that's a reason to be positive on EK. I think that she just is a leader and wants to be around the ball. I think she has that consistency to her game. So if you're looking to anchor your mm. D1 yep. I think Emma Carney offers a consistency that we don't see from other players. You look at the kind of changeability of someone like Eilish Sheeran last season, she went big score, low score, big score, low score, big score, low score. It yep. could have been really tough. There's every reason to believe she could have gone bad scores two weeks in a row. We didn't see that from Carney. That's true. That's true. I mean, I definitely think looking at where the top five defenders are sitting at the moment before the season starts, she's not going to she's not going to be number one by mid-season. Um, there was definitely going to be some shuffling there, but consistency is a big part of this when you've only got three trades. If you don't need to worry about your D1, easy. Exactly. Nice. Okay. Oh, um, our <laughs> your number three, I think there's going to be a bit of a recurring trend in uh, some of these episodes where we just talk about how positioning of players in the games leads to fantasy opportunity. Yes. Uh, here's a key culprit as well. Yeah. Tess Craven was someone that Ash mentioned as potentially transitioning to halfback. Now, if you're playing Marrera's Magic Fantasy, she is a midfielder at an awkward price when we have Tyanna Smith, Georgia Nanscorn, the two, the two Collingwood girls, and you've got Laura Gardner as well. <laughs> Do you just list your – I feel like that's your midfield. <laughs> uh, no, legit, but I'm also 
Like, you remember how confident Jono was last season on Abby McKay? Yeah. I have so much confidence about so many of those players. Yeah. The only one I might fade, and I'm not even fading Ty Smith, I'm t- fading Nick Del Santo. I don't trust him as a coach. Let's be let's be perfectly wow. frank. I don't trust him as a fantasy coach. Let's put it that way. Oh, because that's his job, to be a fantasy coach. No, we're a fantasy podcast. Come on, <laughs> keep it to progress. You can't be away for that long. <sighs> I think Tess Craven, though, in the official AFLW game is a fascinating option because she is a forward priced at 35. Now, why do I think that's important? We heard Ash talk about the fact that she's a beautiful kick. They want to get the ball in her hands more and she's coming off a preseason. If you've watched North play before, Tess Craven could often get left out on a wing and struggle to impact the game. But if she did get the ball, she's a beautiful user of the football and if there was someone that you were going to make a link in the chain and get the ball more to, it's Tess. Mm. And at that price, it's value. I don't think she's going to average 35 this year. I think she could average 50 to 55. And that's a decent amount of upside if you're looking for an F4. If you're going to run an Izzy Huntington who we've talked about, who's a basement player, we're going to talk about Sinead Davison when we talk about West Coast. If you were looking for that F4, I think Tess Graven is a fascinating option with given how lowly she's going to be priced. And we love the idea of players who are forwards in a fantasy game but play as defenders and halfbacks because that's where you can get a lot of scoring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't really have anything else to add. That sounds good to me. I'm sold. It's just like one of those ones where the value proposition is pretty simple. Mm. Now, obviously, she's going to be a preseason watch. I want to see that time off halfback, and if I don't see it, I might fade her. I don't think she's priced highly enough that she'll burn me if I don't pick her to start the year. But currently, she's in my side at F4. Yeah, nice. Simple as that. Lock it in. Number four. Number four. This was someone who I had not thought about. Yes, I was going to say I was not expecting to see this name here. I don't know how much we've even spoken about her in the entire. I guarantee you, we have not mentioned this player's name on any episode. Mm, And that is Nicole Bresnahan. And that is because she is a defender. She will be priced at forty nine, but she averaged seventy five in the final five games of her season. Now, because they made three of them are in the finals, yeah, I was gonna say. they're not going to be priced in. Yeah. But she looked elite, particularly if you're going to be picking her in a the official platform where those scores from the finals are not factored in. The fact that she had two scores in the 90s in her final five games of the year, she looked incredible off halfback. And we saw high marks and high possessions. It's a bit of an awkward price point. We, it's that kind of same thing I got suckered into with Will last year with Sarah Veria, where <laughs> a player has a couple of really high scores, is showing that trajectory we want to see. And the ceiling, all it takes is just a little bit of a couple of injuries, a more lockdown role, and everything slides away. But I am fascinated by the option of Nicole finishing the season with 81, 39, 99, 91, 65 as a halfback, is fascinating and presents some value. And I think this is almost a bit more of a unique situation because there's not a couple of high scores that get us excited that are already priced in. 
there's a couple of high scores that aren't, it means that even if those don't reappear, you're actually still going to get somewhat close to the value you've paid for. You know, it's not going to be a great cash gen. It's not going to be a great move. You'll probably trade it out. But you're actually still going to be okay. Yeah. I'm mm, obviously it's concerned. kind of riskless. I'm still concerned by a floor of 39, and she also had another game of 37. I think you can probably discount the 37 because it is against Port. It's a little bit harder to score well against the expansion side as a defender, but 99 against Geelong, who are a difficult team to score against, and then a 91 against Richmond, Mm. I think she presents potential value. Again, I want to see halfback. Yep. I really want to, I, I need to see that to be able to pick her, but a name to remember given she will present substantial value, particularly for the official platform. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's it's like the name that I had not considered, I hadn't really looked at that much, but I was looking at the scores from the final few games, particularly the finals, and she was up really high. I actually... I, I actually think I remember being in a game where Will's like, Mel, have a guess who the top fantasy scorer is at the moment. You're never going to guess them. <laughs> and and you Bresnan, didn't. You didn't, did you? Bresnan, I was like, didn't see that coming. <laughs> no, I did not see that she would be included in this episode. But, hey, that's the value of doing research. There you go. And, look, I'm actually surprised by your number five as well. And I don't know if I'd have put this down to the fact that I've not had my head in this for a little while or if uh, research is key here. But talk me through Hannah Bowie. Anna Bowie is going to be rookie priced and she played every game after she got picked. Now, most of them, she did not score well. She played as a defender, but we need rookie priced players. We need rookie priced defenders. We've not heard that many stories throughout this season of rookie priced players who are going to start round one. And we saw Hannah Bowie play through the finals. I think that's enough. She played as a midfielder in the Collingwood VFLW side and then got picked up very, very, very late in the preseason and added to the list at North Melbourne. Just a name to remember. She's going to be basement priced. She'll be a defender. We don't have many options. As much as I would love to put Jazz Garner there, I just think you've got to put rookie priced players. I think we know who Jazz Garner is. We in probably the haven't game, about Hannah Bowie. In the official game, she's listed as a midfielder. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. It probably makes it, oh, that's, yeah, okay. That's a tad frustrating. In the Marrera's Magic one, she's the defender because she played in the back pocket. I think in that in that respect, she probably presents some more value for Marrera's Magic platform, maybe slightly less so for yeah. the official platform. But if she's not picked round one and comes in later in the year, she's a downgrade target. We know she has fantasy scoring pedigree in the VFLW. I think she averaged 85 to 90 in her final season, and that was what propelled her to getting picked by North Melbourne. So that's why I've got her yeah. listed here. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, like, we are going to run into these situations where the positioning of a player makes it more or less attractive in a different game. I think this is very much a uh, a great take for MM. Um, but, yeah, just noting uh, officially midfielder, but one to watch. Definitely. One to watch in the preseason too. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And okay. now, now you get to do oh. – now, we're not recording these episodes in order, which means that this is actually Mel's first chance to do – the host special. So this is the Mel special. Mel, who have you picked? I'm very excited for this because uh, it gives me free reign to just pick someone random and see see if it takes, um, which is my favourite thing to do. So although, however, I'm not going quite so random. So for my, my special pick, uh, very excited, I have somewhat 
just chosen the player that I heard about in the Ash Riddell interview because <laughs> that's a good call. Yeah. Ash knows his stuff. I was actually quite excited by this. Um, I mean, I do love to hear who our interviewees pick because often they're onto something. And like you said before, you've got Riddell who is kind of fantasy aware. So she's picked a player, and I was like, I've never really looked into Bella Eddie 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 Eddie. Let's. <laughs> I'm so good with names. Let. So I was like, let's go have a look at this. We've got here a forward who's priced at thirty five. And just looking down North's list, she is the eighth highest ranked forward. So she's somewhat down there. But if you have a look at who else there is, I know we've got Kate Sheerlaw in as a as a you know elite forward. And, and, and a big got a big in in a big impact in and height. Yes. But we also have Vicky Wall as the third uh highest averaging points forward for North, who we know is unfortunately not going to be playing. I had really been hoping we wouldn't have to discuss Vicky Wall, to be honest, because I'm a bit heartbroken. She is such a great player to watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely devastated. I think I read a total of five articles from Australia while I was overseas, one of them being that Vicky Wall is no longer coming to play for North in it's season eight. Depressing. And, I mean, very exciting, you know, rugby, Olympics, Gaelic, all of that. Uh, but devastating because even when Will and I were talking to Mike Crane about the Irish recruits, we were so excited for Vicky to finish her Gaelic season so that we could maybe have a chat to her. But no. Anyway, without with a you know a late absence of uh, Vicky Wall means there's a little bit you know of shuffling maybe to do there. Potential bump for <laughs> Craven uh, as you mentioned, but also potential bump for Bella Eddy. Also, just looking at her fantasy scoring trajectory since she got moved out of the wing, her um, Ability to score fantasy points has just gone up and up. It's She's got a really high score in the finals that doesn't didn't get baked into her current price stat, similarly that you were saying with... Bresnahan. Bresnahan, yes, that's right. <laughs> Already forgotten. So both those together and a wreck from Ashradell and another successful wreck for a, a high half forward, I was like, mm, maybe there's something here. So look, this is... it's Sometimes I throw out some names that are kind of out there, uh, this feels kind of out there from even me because I hadn't really paid any attention to her <laughs> prior to hearing her name in the interview. But I've done a little bit of research and I'm convinced. I'm convinced that she is a name that you should be paying attention to come this season. <laughs> that is, and I think that hits the right note. It's a convinced is a name you should be paying attention to. That is yep. the middle of the road, like I, she's high, she's higher up my watch, watch list. Is she in my side? Starting side, no. Is she going to be one of my first trading targets? Probably also no. But is she a name that our now, I, I now know about? Will you watch her in the preseason? Will I watch her? In the, of course. I'll exactly. watch everyone in the preseason. But it's a name that you now know you need to look for in the scoring. I think that's the important thing. And, like, I agree. I think an interesting option, we're always looking for forwards and defenders who can improve. She's, a, she's like, higher on my watch list now than she ever was last season. I think that's a great place to start with your first special back. Thank you. This is the support that I need. There you go. First episode back with Liam in the in the the North Melbourne Den. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good one. I'm uh, I'm very excited to watch these guys play. Okay, well, that was another clubs in days review for North Melbourne over here. Next up, you get Liam and I again swapped positions though as we go through Port Adelaide Power. Um, if you want to. Follow along with us. Uh, we are on Instagram and Twitter as Free Kick W Pod. Liam, where can we find you? You can find me 
extolling the benefits of George and Anscorn on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy. And I am back on Twitter again. I'm back on Twitter again, yes, and I am remembering my handle. I believe it is I'm LD. LD. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm LD on Twitter and Instagram, so go check us out. Thank you, Liam. Thank you, Mel, and we'll list, well, hopefully everyone enjoys the next episode. See you then. Bye. Bye.